This following episode contains spoilers for the film or films being discussed. You have been warned. in the movies we see, the big set pieces, the famous dialogue, the twists, and the naked times. But film is an entity made up of hundreds of little moments that either make them special or relegate them to obscurity. We are here to talk about those moments. Welcome to Movie Microscope. Kick it, Movie Microscope. Episode is mobsters. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest movie microscope. My name is Nick Nunziata, and I am your gracious host. Alongside me, the purposeful and porpoiseful Justin Waddell. Justin, how are you doing? I'm good. Sort of. I don't like the sort of. Sometimes not so good, but you know, I'm here talking to you, which is good. That's to be determined. <sighs> What you got? You treating you treating yourself to some COVID? What's going on? I'm out there dodging COVID, my friend. Yeah. I hope that you're doing the same to an extent. Yeah, keep, you keeping your head down, or are you or are you out and about? I'm out and about. You know, you? I, I'm frolicking, wearing a mask though. You know, mm-hmm. I got my paws clean. Nice. Yeah, I uh, I went out the other day, meaning. I just kind of looked out my blinds. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Cool. Uh, but no, I I don't go out very much, but I know that your job requires you to kind of get out a little bit. Yeah, I have some yeah. flexibility over it, but I love doing it. Love, love seeing, getting out there. Love seeing some shiny faces and talking about the government. So the good news is the cases are on the downhill slide. Oh, yeah. If you look, if you look at it wrong. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, that's good. I'm glad that you are protecting yourself out there. Yeah, as we as we all should be. What's your mask? Did you have a mask that's related to the movie microscope? Do you have like a yeah anything on there that related to what we've been doing? Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. got it. It says zoom in, and the and the nose and mouth area is ripped out. It's <laughs> <laughs> interesting. I got a. I got, I find my, finally my beast within mask came, you know, and <laughs> I'm pretty excited. It has the, the big, the gigantic head printed on it. <laughs> That's actually not a bad you'd idea. Be, you'd be very familiar with that head. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, guys, welcome. Welcome back. It's another Wednesday and another gift from us to you. And uh, don't think we haven't been paying attention, you know? It was weird. It was weird to see uh, the CNN coverage of the the pyramids, and that somebody had spray painted "movie microscope rules" on the side of the largest one. That's, That's very nice. We pre- we do appreciate it. Yeah, uh, racist statues are coming down, but the zoom 
tributes are going up. Yep. You know what I'm saying? It's fair so. trade. It's a teachable moment, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. And if you are familiar with the movie Microscope, uh, I mean, it's a show where we zoom in. You know, we, we, we watch a film with a set of, you know, substellar eyes and we really ricochet around the room. You know, you know, and when we finally, <laughs> we finally find something we like, <laughs> we look at it long enough to know that it's uh, large and it makes or breaks. <laughs> so if we were talking about dead of winter, we wouldn't be talking about the scene where Mary Steenburgen completely rides her home on a flayed pandas. <laughs> we talk about the little moments. Oh, fuck. It's a Roddy McDowell movie. It is. Iconic poster. A good poster. Yeah, I, I don't, don't remember it too well. It's like I don't black remember. and white. Uh, yeah, it's like it's like a close-up of a lady's face and there's the words dead of winter make up her face. I remember at the video store I always walked past it. I like I like that movie. I don't remember too much about it, but I like Mary Steenburgen quite a bit. No shit. Who does I like her more I like her more than Ted Danson likes her. Yeah. Those two lovebirds. But do you know she's a bit of a songwriter these days? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um and she's a great actress, good songwriter. Come on. Oh, everything What's about not her? like like everything. We love her. Plus, I mean, let's face it. She's aged like a fine wine. She has. She's cool. She is. Well, Kirby enthusiasm has made her into a sexual item. Is that true? Well, I mean, she's uh, she's the she gets a lot of love. She gets a lot of attention. Kirby enthusiasm has made Larry David into a sexual item. I don't know about that. Has made Richard Lewis <laughs> into a sexual no, <laughs> absolutely not. Um, so you, you said something about aging like fine wine, didn't you? Yeah. My Speaking my mind went directly to Lewis. Jesus. <laughs> the funny thing is, is at, in his prime, he was uh, destroyed. But, <laughs> but he is somehow, he found new depths. I mean, it, that guy, just you look at it. It's funny. He's become a very funny part of that show. But it's the jokes on him, you know, when it comes to Father Time and his swinging scythe. You know? <laughs> He's hilarious on that show. I love him. And he has only gotten funnier with age, I think. But he's also looks like he's about 114. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, yeah. it's funny, you know, talk about guys that are still profitable um, into their later years. He's getting checks all the time. Unfortunately, it's right. wel welfare checks because they see him and they send people to his house. There's no way he could still be alive. <laughs> Always she wearing black on that show. Like, yeah. Much like Johnny Cash. Or something, you know, he's that's his go to color. Johnny Cash in better shape. <laughs> um, although, what's your what's your peak steam virgin? What is your if you were to choose one moment in time? My peak steam virgin, huh? Yeah. You mean like that? I mean. Time after time, Steve. There you version? go. That's what I want to talk. That's what I wanted you to say. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. But you know what? She was really great on that show, the 
Last Man on Earth, whatever it's called. Is it Last Man on Earth? I forgot she was on it. She's on it. Yeah. Remember she was singing songs on that show too. Yeah. She was, was on was it. Was she paired up with Zoe Kravitz in that or? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I vaguely remember her. Mm-hmm. You mean vaguely? You love that show. I like the show quite a bit, but I don't remember Dick about it. Hmm. One of the best pilots. So that first half of that pilot was perfect. And it was all downhill from there, but it was still a pretty solid show. Okay. I thought you liked that show. No, I, it is. It's good. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, welcome to the podcast, Peak Steam Version. <laughs> uh, those words have never been used together. What What other movies can you remember her from? She's one of those things that just kind of fills the margins. She's not the, you know, I can't be pressed to remember one right now, other than time after time. She's kind of, she was been around though, and she's, she's acted a lot. Let's always working, up. always working, always great. A delightful little delicate voice. A petite animal that is just fantastic. Well, she's, of course, in Step Brothers, which is very funny. Oh, that's right. Good call, yeah. I mean, the only reason I know is I'm looking at her page. Acted acted quite a bit, Nick. Quite a bit. You may remember from The Whales of August. I don't. Melvin and Howard. Come on now. You know that one. It's a good movie. Philadelphia, of course. She was the villainous D, uh, lawyer, right? In that, uh, maybe she was in Clifford, which I'm sure you love, a Martin Short film. Anyway, moving on. We all, honestly, if if the listeners aren't well versed in the magic of Mary Steenburgen, you need to get on it. It's just such a great, it's such a great name, last name to say. Yeah, Ted Danson. Yeah. Speaking of aging like a fine wine. Mm-hmm. He, he aged in the in the dark. If we if we if we flash back just a little while, he did age in the dark. You're right. He, but he, aged, he aged hard in the dark. He gave himself a little. Remember, he went bald, and then he then he then he gave himself hair back. Do you remember this? I don't. He he rehaired himself. I remember none of that. You don't remember? I don't this? remember him ever bald. He did. I mean, he always looks yeah, bald. I don't. I don't think that most people do. There's a period of time, maybe the Becker area era, but mm-hmm. he he did something fun with his hair, which was he he rehaired. You know he did saying? do that. Yes, he said, "Not so fast, Mother Nature." Sure, he didn't fake shit hair for a while and then pull out the real hair. You don't think he fake shit haired? I think he did fake shit haired. No, I think That's he may right. have faked shit hair. And then realized that, oh, I better go back to my normal, perfectly normal hair. That's not oh, you mean shit at all. You think he fake bald for a while? Yeah, he fake shit hair. Like he, mm-hmm. you know, you look at like the astronaut in Interstellar when they go back to the ship after they've been gone 12 minutes. But in reality, it's like seven years. And that astronaut's got some serious shit hair. I did see it. This is going to sound this is a strange zoom. And this is. Uh, something I'm assuming or assuming is that I saw a picture of him shaking hands with one Andrew Devoff where he was bald, right? Okay. And then I never saw him bald again. That's what I'm telling you. Do you oh. think that he made well, a deal with the Wishmaster now? Oh, I, I, thought, you're, I thought you meant Devoff so hard up he gave him his hair. <laughs> Oh, 
Divov showing up on a show lately. I know it made me said. so happy, and he looks great. He looks great, Harry Mason. Yeah, he looks great. He acts great. Uh, he's actually. I mean, we joke about him. He's actually a talented guy. A good actor. Right. That was in that was the Wishmaster. Like he's a good actor, but he's known for one role, and that role is bad. But he's actually really good when he shows up on stuff and stuff. I agree. And his name is uh, like Steenburgen. What a wonderful name. Right. He's and he also I mean, let's not discredit his work in Air Force One. I won't. I won't do it. Or lost. I'm not gonna do it. Right. Okay, so we're doing a movie today. Twelve minutes in, haven't mentioned it. You can you gonna round up and call this one a movie or what's? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, mobsters. I mean, I don't even think the director said that when he introduced this to his friends and family at a friends and family screening. Um, ladies and gentlemen mobsters yeah sounds like a sounds like a threat to me kabelnikov that's the director yeah he didn't he didn't direct much nick he only directed uh thrice i think well when you get it right why bother (laughs) and uh yeah he got it he pulled his dream cast together for this one and he's he tapped out he said i'll never achieve beyond this fair enough so where is this Mm -hmm film playing right now where can you get it from it's on hbo max nick nice Nice. is that how you watched it or you own this movie uh i can't believe i don't own it but it's on i did watch it on hbo max i used to own it Mm -hmm. on on dvd Mm -hmm. and vhs yeah that was one of the that's one of the pitches hbo max used to become a streaming service was they were like, we're going to have mobsters on there. We're going to reunite the friends for a reunion. And we'll, th- and we'll get Zack Snyder to do a cut eventually. But, you know, let's not. Mobster. Yeah, let's get let's start with mobsters. No, no. It, well, like mobsters was the first on the agenda. And then they they built it up to Justice League. Uh, I didn't I've never seen this film other than yesterday. I, I, I didn't go to the theater to see it. I have never watched it prior to yesterday. So let's give let's give audiences a dose of what we're dealing with here. We're talking about a film, nineteen ninety one, great year. Grad, graduated from high school, nineteen ninety one. Great year for everything. Great year for movies. Great year for just so many things. Yes. Uh, it, it managed to capitalize on the head of steam being corralled by one Christian Slater, Patrick Dempsey, Costas Mandalore, Richard Grieco. Chris Penn, you got, I mean, F. Murray Abraham, Laura Flynn Boyle, Michael Gambone, Anthony Quinn, Robert Zadar. The list goes on and on. Like I said, a dream cast. Who's the girl? The other girl? Bega? Leslie Bega. Right. Okay. So just a really delicious assortment of talents, both young and new and old. And, and what's the, who's the guy that plays the assassin? What was his name? Nicholas Stadler. No relation yes. to William. And we're talking about a, a film that that took the idea of a mob a mob film and did it right. Did it right. Told the story of Lucky Luciano, Meyer Lansky, 
Frank Costello, and one Benny slash Bugsy Siegel. Arnold Rothstein. I mean, the whole thing is just magical. Seminal film of my youth. Like a dark magic or? (laughs) (laughs) One producer. Usually when you watch the credits, there's 38. I watched that new Mm -hmm. Tom Hanks movie, and there was the producer's credits took up half the film. There's only one producer. See, the thing is that what might have happened was there there are more producers, but they said, you know what? Just you can just leave my name off the credits. I don't need to be up there. You know, just you don't have to put me on that. Just, you know, leave me off there. That's fine. So mean. Look here, I'll give some of the money back if you just kind of pull my name off of that of that scroll. Written by Michael Mahern <laughs> and Nicholas Kazan. <laughs> With a score by Michael Small. A lot of Michaels involved in here, man. Are you kidding me? A lot of Michaels writing it, directing it, scoring it? Yeah. And, th- and they couldn't even cast an actor named Michael in here? They didn't have any Michaels? Oh, that's not true. It's... Michael Meyer Lansky's in this. And uh <laughs> this guy, Michael Small, this composer, mm-hmm. killed he killed it for a bit. What did he do? Uh, he did I mean he killed it. He died. But um before he died, he did a few classics. He did uh, mobsters. <laughs> he did he Let me actually tell you, he, he his this guy, Clute, mm-hmm. wow. the, par- the Parallax View, Clute's a seminal film for you. Night Moves, mm-hmm. Marathon Man, Audrey Rose, that movie fucked me up as a kid. The Driver, Comes a Horseman, Going in Style, Postman nice. Always Rings Twice, Wow, First Born, Black Widow. Jaws the Revenge, Mobsters. Oh, man, nice. Yeah, he did through Mobsters. Consenting Adults, starring Carl Cunningham. And then he died. His last film that was in theaters, oh, never mind. He fucked up. What? No, I mean, I need, I need, I need, I've never heard of it. The Endurance, 2000. Never heard of it. Oh, and no, I think that was another name for Mobsters. <laughs> this is brutal. No, you like this film. This, fi- this film is uh, is a, see, war- a warm place for me to go. All right, let's hear why. It's fun. It's it's just fun. It's good to see all these guys together. You know, you're, you're watching what is essentially dress up day for the kids. You know, like where they're they're trying to <laughs> go through the motions. You know, a little bit. You know, it's like when you see a kid come downstairs with his dad's clothes on. the only way to put this film You're, that's totally true even anthony quinn looks like he's dressing up in his dad's clothes <laughs> but i find it charming i have a i have a fun time with it. there's there's now granted i was i was just out of high school when it came out and me and my my buddy at the time watched it and and found a lot to like about it right you know i mean you think about it that's like the heyday you think about the golden uh the 90s man you had good fellas come out you had mobsters come out 
Miller's Crossing, State of Grace. Yeah. Miller's Crossing, 1990. Yeah, so Goodfellas is like 89. State of Grace is around that period. It's a great, you know, Mobsters came out in 91. So you've mentioned a lot of great movies and Mobsters. <laughs> <laughs> Do people remember Mobsters? That's my question. I don't think people probably know this movie. It bothers me if they don't. <clears throat> because the funny thing about this is most of the people that are in it still very active in the film community. You think about it. Slater is, has like, has had two renaissances in his career. Dempsey is McDreamy. He stayed relevant. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't go a fucking five minutes without somebody bitching about how great Casas Mandalore is. <laughs> Let's talk about Dempsey. All right. Dempsey. Patrick Dempsey, a child actor, or at least he was a young actor. I don't know. Like, he's got to start when he was a young teen. Is he in Newsies um, or something? I don't think so. I know that he was, was in Christian Paper Bale. Boy or Lover Boy or something like that. But the yeah. Lover Boy, for sure. He was in that movie Run. With Remember Pre- that? Kelly Pressed. Yeah, we've talked about that. He was here. in Can't, Can't Buy Me Love. Which I love. Big one. Love that I movie. love that movie, too. Um, but he was, a, he was an actor that kind of got famous pretty early. And he's kind of the scrawny looking dude, uh, kind of a nerdy type. And then he then he aged into like mobsters. Now he aged into like this beautifully haired, you know, like sexiest man alive type dude that when he when he hit Grey's Anatomy, right? Like he kind of turned into like a heartthrob. Right. Um, He's a beautiful man. He's a racer. Like Nick, he he. He uh, drives race cars. That's his. That's his passion. Much like Paul Newman, he likes to get out there and squeal the wheels. You know, nice. And um, can you imagine? I think. And my sister met Patrick Dempsey. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. How? I don't remember. It was like a party. My sister used to work for Yamaha. I think it must have been kind of related to that. Like you know he. Dempsey is a little bit of, uh, I guess, a, a speed freak, like I said. So, right. Um, <clears throat> said he was nice. You know, Dempsey also another. You know, spill some tea here. He married like he married a woman much older than him when he was pretty young. Nice. You know this, Good. right? No, I don't. Good work. Married his acting teacher, his acting coach, Lee Strasberg, uh, when he was a young man, and she was in her pushing fifty. He left that because he looks he ma- too hot. He ma- he uh, that marriage. I was looking on old Wikipedia last night in the middle of a pandemic. I was trying to figure out what his relationship status was, you know, because that's how I'm going to spend my time on Earth. <laughs> and uh, he uh, the marriage ended pretty badly. He said it was a Freudian nightmare. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, much like mobsters. In a way, <laughs> so tell me what it was. What tell me as you were watching this film, what was happening to you? I, you know, I was. I I have to say that I I was as interested in it because I like I, I used to really like Laura Flynn Boyle. We talked about her a little bit. We'll talk about her. Um, but she was a big, you know, part of Twin Peaks, which is a show I loved, and I loved her. And the pilot, which I don't know. Have you ever watched Twin Peaks? Of course. Every, ever, every episode. 
So the pilot, I believe you said you you said the last man on Earth had a great pilot. I think Twin Peaks pilot is one of the best pilots of all time, in my opinion. And she's amazing on that show. And so for a while, I feel like she had a pretty interesting career. She's in Red Rock, Red Rock West, which is a good movie. Um, the Temp. The Temp. She was she later showed up as the bad guy in Men in Black Two. I think she was the highlight of that film. So she kind of had some chops, but then just seemed to kind of fade away. So it was nice to see her again um, in, a, in, in this movie where she doesn't get that much to do, but she's uh, Christian Slater's love interest. And they have some um, interesting scenes on top of a, like a roulette table. Yeah. 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 She shows some skin in this thing. Either she does or it's a body double. I don't know. Um, I don't want to think that. I want to pretend it's her. And him. Well, there's a shot of him biting a nipple in this, a female, uh, like a lady's nipple. And, you know, I don't know if it, maybe that was uh, rigged up and not a real person. Maybe he's biting a, <laughs> it's a prosthetic. Yeah. Maybe he's biting a prosthetic nipple. Yeah. Stan Winston was nominated for the, <laughs> but it's horrifying to see. I don't want to see Christian Slater that intimate. No one does. I don't want to see anybody that intimate. He looks like an eight year old. I don't want to see him biting a nip. Um, but what do you mean no one wants to see that? Porn is popular, sir. Well, I'm not talking about porn. That doesn't even count. Those aren't even real people. But the... Uh, hey. You think about this. Think about mm-hmm. if it's not Laura Flynn Boyle, it's somebody who is hired exclusively to have her nipple chewed on by Christian Slater. <laughs> that must have been a very interesting audition. Oh, uh, sure. oh sorry. Yours is a little gamey. We're going to have to go with someone else. Hey, you, know, you can't put it past Hollywood, I guess. But um, that does happen in this. Atop a roulette table. Nick and I have played roulette before, but not like that. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? No. No, we won. Explains explains uh, the catchphrase of this film. What is that? Always bet on black. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, let's back it up. So these guys are... But it starts out... This movie starts out... Much kind of like Goodfellas, right? Where this starts out when the main characters are young, um, uh, you know, where I, I, it, I liken it more to Once Upon a Time in America, right? Well, structurally. it's Christian, Christian Slater's still at this point living at home. His dad with his with his parents and his dad is under the thumb of this crime boss, uh, uh, two crime bosses that that are that play into the film, but like the one guy, Michael Gambon. He comes into the house. He starts harassing the dad for what? For not paying, not paying, you know, properly or whatever. I'm doing it all wrong, but like he's not paying, you know, he has a story. He's not paying, you know, protection fees or something. And so then uh, Gambon like harasses Slater's mom. And then it's just all this crazy stuff happens at the beginning of the and, film. And who is, the rest who of the is, film. who's with Michael Gambon? Oh, well, Chud, you know, Chud. And movie microscope legend, one Robert Zadar. Yes, and looking, who, who he, looking look, snappy in this movie. By the way, he's looking stylish for sure. Hair slicked back, but yeah. he um crisp he suit. plays crisp suit. He has a he plays a second command, I think, or at least the heavy, the bodyguard to Michael Gambon, who's a very good actor, by the way. And he, um, and and zoom in, mm-hmm. shares a name with my son. He does. Yeah, Rocco. Yeah, plays Rocco in this. 
And I just, I just don't want, I don't want anybody to find out that's where I got my son's name from. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Robert Zadar is like this kind of infamous, you know, bad guy in a lot of films, uh, a lot of kind of like lower tier films. And he always, uh, he's very recognizable because he had like a huge jaw, you know, that's his trademark. And um, always fun in films. He's pretty fun here. But, you know, like like I said, the beginning of the film, there's two crime bosses that are kind of competing throughout the whole film. One of them is played by Michael Gambon, and the other is played by, who Nick mentioned earlier, the lovely Anthony Quinn. Right. And Anthony Quinn, at the beginning of the film, you know, Christian Slater, uh, his friend Joey, uh, perishes. <laughs> Why? Because uh, that, set, that really sets up the rest of the film, I think. Yeah, for no real reason, uh, some minor squabble, but Quinn <sighs> drops a racial epithet uh, and 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 dismisses the murder on other people rather than the fact that he did it himself. He he was responsible for this young man's death, and it couldn't even be bothered to look at it as it happened. And he's related to this guy; it's his nephew or something. And so Christian yeah. Slater is like taking in all this violence in his neighborhood, um, you know, seeing his dad harassed by this one guy, seeing his friend killed by another. And he's, he's like, you know what? I'm going to, you know, you know, basically become a bad dude, a, a mobster and then get some revenge. Well, I don't That's think kind of, I don't think he's, I don't think he says, I'm going to become a mobster and get revenge. He's Well, isn't that kind of what his, I mean, that's kind of what his ultimate goal is, right? Is to kind of take these, these bosses on, right? Right. But there, the, right. The, the idea, of course, being that these kids were already living hard on the streets, finding ways to make do. Um, they had the ambition to rise above their, you know, their, their, their station. Exactly. Yeah. But they, what they have to do is they have to be, befriend or work for these bosses in order to then kind of get the upper hand. And so they're coming in like these fresh face gangsters, these, these four friends. Yeah. And you mentioned them, mm -hmm. um, but it's based on like a kind of a true story, right? Obviously these are real characters. Yep. Yep. Um, and I don't know if these, this isn't a documentary. It's as close as you could possibly get. But um, what did they, did he have sex on a roulette table? Lucky Luciano. No, I think it was over some cribbage, like in real life, but it was it played. Do you think he earns his name Lucky in this? I think so. Yeah, I mean he gets he 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 gets a, a nice long relationship. Uh, <laughs> he gets a a gigantic facial wound in this movie, Christian Slater. I was not expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting that. Were you? Well, yeah, it's that's lucky. That's what he, he is. The name Scarface is based on him. So that's why I was wondering. I did not know that. That's true. Yeah. Is it based? So that so he this this is the origin of Scarface. Then, like you find you find out how that scar um, is put on his face. Yeah. And it is put on his face with a knife, a straight razor. Yeah. It is. Oh yeah, straight razor. But it is rough. Well, it's so funny. He gets Scarface while looking into Zadarface. <laughs> That's true. So tell me about what you think of Michael Gambon's uh, accent. Is it, it's supposed to be Italian, I guess. Yeah, like, Sicilian it? even. Yeah. I mean, Quinn's pretty good. Well, Quinn, I don't, Quinn has been yeah. playing those types for decades and decades. But, but Gambon, 
I don't know, man. What do you, I mean, he's great. He's a good actor. So that that's fine. And he's definitely menacing and he's horrible. Like you hate his character, but that, you know, he's such a good actor that, that, you know, anything with any problems with the accent is, I think, is not, not, well, not that major. And this was his first English, you know, American movie. So it was, yeah. yeah. And his best and his best. I'm not going to argue. I'm not here to argue with you. It's my favorite. It sounds like a. It's got a name. His last name sounds like a Pokemon, Nick. No, it sounds like something Michael Jackson would say in a song, like Gamble. Go. Um, <laughs> maybe he was singing about Michael Gambon. <laughs> so, um, we, we get our we meet our heroes, um, all on the street. So Greco and Meyer mm-hmm. Lansky, or, I'm sorry, Bugsy Siegel and Meyer Lansky are both the Jewish. Um, you know, mobsters and Mr. Frank Costello and Mr. Charles Luciano are Italian gangsters. And they yes. find that their uh, mutual respect and ability to function together outweighs their hardwired racial separations. And they form right. an iconic group that basically has the goods to bring the fight to the big boys and they nail it. Not unlike the sleepers. Those they form a childhood bond, right? That carries through, Nick. Absolutely. They- and um, what I was going to say is that at one point, so the smartest of the bunch, uh, Christian Slater's Lucky Luciano and Patrick Dempsey's Meyer Lansky, those they're the smartest. And at one point, they're kind of vying for who's going to be the leader, right? And there's a scene, love it, wh- where uh, I think Greco. One yeah, of them. Paid, absolutely. Greco is a Greco. He pays a little kid to come into a room and he says, Hey, go, go into this he room. And tell, t- you don't know what he tells the kid. No, what he says, basically go into this room and, and uh, you know, my, my boss has a job for you. And so the little boy goes in the room and there's two people in there. He doesn't know who the boss is. And so the idea here is whoever the little boy talks to is the one that has, looks like has the most authority. And I call that the boy selector scene. What do you think? I think it's great. I love the fact that you've been like frozen through half of this. Um, but so the, yeah, so the little boy comes in and he doesn't know what to do. And he, and he defaults to Christian Slater and he says, Hey, I hear you have a job for me. And so then that proves Patrick Dempsey's point is that Christian Slater looks the part of a leader, even though Patrick Dempsey might be smarter Slater looks like he's the leader, and so therefore he is the leader. There Plus, he says Masada be- better than Meyer Lansky. So I know that in, over the course of history, obviously Warren Beatty has played Benny Siegel before. Uh, um, yes. Ben Kingsley has played Meyer Lansky before. Where did in what? I don't remember. Maybe it was Billy Bathgate. Was it, was it in Bugsy? I think it was in Billy Bathgate. Okay, starring. Bruce Willis? No, 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 no. Come on. What am I thinking of that? Our boy was in that movie. <laughs> Lauren Dean. <laughs> no, he wasn't in Billy Bathgate. Billy Bathgate was uh what's he? Um Am I wrong? No, no, Lauren Dean, yeah, I was wrong about Ben Kingsley. I know he's played Meyer Lansky, though. I'm positive of it. Maybe it was Bugsy. Maybe. Or maybe it was Gandhi. (laughs) 
But the point being is that these are these are iconic characters that have pl been played by a lot of big big heavy hitters, right? Especially here, um, I like the idea that there is a through line between Warren Beatty and Richard Grieco. That makes me very happy. Well, Beatty studied Grieco. <laughs> is that true? Is the oh, of course, yeah. Even before he's going to do Bugsy, he did. Okay, he, um, he was Meyer, Lansky, and Bugsy. Um, so did you know about Greco, by the way? Richard Greco, who a lot of people might not know, um, especially our very young listeners, Nick. Or, under or, 30, under 50? Yeah, under 40. Um, Richard Greco used to be on a show called 21 Jump Street. That was where Johnny Depp got his, you know, accumulated his fame. Now, Johnny Depp at one point was... Uh, they wanted to cast him as Lucky Luciano, and Johnny Depp said, "Fuck no." <laughs> I guarantee whatever Johnny Depp did in 1991 is worse than this. I mean, he did Edward Scissorhands close to that. He did that probably in 1990. Point Nunziata. <laughs> what is it? No, I'm saying I got. That's right. That's like the first volley I returned perfectly. Point oh. Nunziata. No, 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 no. Are I, you looking it up? He did nine, 90. He did Edward Scissorhands, but he was doing Freddie. Oh, he had a no, he wasn't in there. He actually didn't work much between Crybaby and Edward Scissorhands in 1990. And then his next really was Benny and June in 93. So he, he chose not to work instead of appear in this. <laughs> when was Nick of Time? That was, that was a different time. Yeah. That was anyway, so Richard Grieco, it, you know, he even got a spinoff series, I believe, from 21 Jump Street called Booker. Like he was on he was a TV guy that was trying to make the leap to film. And he, he do, does it effortlessly here. Well, he his big film, he had a starring vehicle, mm -hmm. if you remember, if looks could kill. Yeah, that and, was his that was his lead film. Was that after this or before this? I think it was before this. So it was before the Oscar nom. Yeah. Yeah. So you you, you told me on the phone. That you have, you felt you have an opinion about his performance in this. Yeah, he's kind of like he plays probably the most out of the four of them, uh, the main guys. He plays probably the most vicious of the of the four, right? Like he's he's the he's the heavy. He's the guy that kills people, and and whenever he does it in this movie, he's always kind of he's always smiling, like he enjoys it, like he likes to. He's kind of a bit of a sadist. He also. Um, has some sex scenes in this where he's got like an at least one sex scene in this where he's got like an ice pick, mm -hmm. uh, like a black a black handled ice pick where he has this scene where because that that's kind of his never uses that on anybody but he holds it a lot and then in the sex scene he's um, he's ice picking off not violently but like kind of you know I guess sexily. <laughs> can you be do that uh, of this woman's clothes I guess and I guess it's supposed to show that he's mixing business with pleasure or something it's strange it doesn't work <laughs> and you don't need it like he, I don't care about him he also does get him off my screen no way you know no way you want to see him with an ice pick in a bedroom I don't care I, it's not basic against I don't want to I know I, I don't want to see him in, in a bedroom period but I don't want any less of this movie Here's the other thing. This '90s thing. This this is one of my least favorite things in the '90s mm -hmm. was screaming while you're shooting people. 
Yes. A lot of people equated that with cool. So if you're screaming while you're shooting somebody, apparently it amplified it to make it, make it cool. That was a big thing that was going on. And that happens three times in this movie. Right. There's also a lot of um, parts of this movie where someone is getting, uh, what do they call that? Like laid uh, machine gun. What is that? Yeah. What is it? The Gatlin gun, Gatlin gun. Um, what, and they're, they're firing bullets into there, a car. There's no Gatlin gun in this. Bullets. Well, not Gatlin gun, but what is it? Like the gun that they, Tommy, the Tommy gun. gun. Like the Tommy yeah, Tommy. Gun. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Gatling gun is on like a little yeah thing, but no, get yeah. a Tommy gun, and they're shooting into a like a car. This happens twice in it, where the people in this car are unscathed, like they do. Think, they do not get killed. I think the driver of the car that that Slater and and Meyer are, are in when a Mad Dog Call attacks, I think the driver gets iced, but they didn't bother Doesn't showing they, us his body. Oh, does that happen? Okay, so yeah, so the. That happens, and then Greco was is trying to do like a hit, and then they shoot up his car. There's about like forty men that start shooting up his car. He escapes, and then turns the tables, of course, on them. And he starts to uh, he starts to to just kill them and capture them. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but I guess he's bugs he's Bugsy Siegel. So I, I guess it doesn't make sense if you don't if you're not enraptured by this movie. <laughs> but I am. All right, well, let's hear. Let's hear well, what first. Hear, you know, you, you paint the picture. Though. Well, you what, paint the picture. It is a Cliff Notes version of a mature mobster film. It's like Once Upon a Time in America as parsed through the embryonic sack. But I, I can't help but love it. I love this movie. The funny thing is, you know, and back when it came out, everybody was. It was the nickname was Young Tommy Guns. That was the nickname for the movie because that's kind of a fun name. Young Guns mm-hmm. had already happened. It was right. it was the formula of taking you know Hollywood's next wave of huge stars like Costas Mandalore and um, putting them in a in a period thing that was you know an iconic franchise or an iconic setting nailed sure. it right this time mm-hmm. they did it with mobsters and uh, you know it didn't come off as well but I'll tell you I don't I don't think it is the young guns of of gangster films I think it's the Rocky Four of gangster films okay. Let me explain. Interesting theory. It's very glossy. There Mm -hmm. are tons of montages in it. And it is, it doesn't give a fuck how smart it is. It just does its thing. And this movie in 2020, I, I can't think of another film from that era that has aged as well, visually, thematically, stylistically, everything about it. It feels fresh. I mean, you don't have to like the movie. It's not a well-written movie, but it, it actually, comes off as pretty evergreen in terms of how it's been made. And I don't know, that's part of the charm of it too. It allows me to, you know, cause typically when you revisit a film that was hardwired to you as a kid, it inevitably mm-hmm. lets you down unless it's a classic. It's obviously not a classic, but all the little things that charmed me about the film still work. And it helps that when you watch it, it doesn't feel like a fossil. Yeah. I think it looks good for sure. And it's great. What did you think of um, loved F. Murray Abraham? I was going to ask you. So F. Murray Abraham comes up, comes a, uh, and what, what's his character? He's, he plays the big boy. He plays Arnold Rothstein, the badass, played by whom in uh, Boardwalk Empire? I think was it Michael Stuhlbarg? I never watched Michael it. Stuhlbarg played Arnold Rothstein in something. I think it may have been Boardwalk Empire. Does he get killed in Boardwalk Empire? Like much like F. Murray gets killed here? I th- I don't. I mean, I think they both they're both pretty authentic to history. 
So yeah, he plays um, the guy that basically gives them the tools to really up their game to the next level and compete with the big boys. So obviously Rothstein in, in history was the guy that fixed the world series, which is in 19, what 19, the white Sox, um, mm-hmm. big deal, bootlegger, class act, businessman, badass, and nobody better to portray him than the ravaged face of Mr. F. Murray Abraham. And he thinks uh, his line here, he's like, he says emotion is dangerous. It's what he warns. Christian Slater, as he's getting, he's dipping his toe into organized crime. He said, "Motion is dangerous. There's really no room for emotion." But was Christian Slater heed that advice? Well, he actually doubles down on that advice when Meyer Lansky is about to settle down, and then mere minutes later in the film, he is cradling the the, the shot up body of his own lady. <laughs> so, so Patrick Dempsey for that, that's the thing is Nick had mentioned that this movie is he likes it a lot, but it's not well-written. And I agree. I don't. I, I think that there's some scenes in here that, that could have hit this old scrap peep. I'm talking about the Greco sex scene. Never. Um, there's a scene when Meyer Lansky, uh, Patrick Dempsey... Choose your words wisely. <laughs> says, ask Christian Slater to sleep with his uh, almost fiance. He's like, I'm going to ask, you know, would you sleep with her? I'm going to offer my... My lady to you. And what does Christian Slater do? He turns it down. Right answer, Nick. Because if he would have said, yeah, sure. Dempsey would have killed him. Well, but, right? Yeah. That's and and then said. Slater says, hey, we could agree to disagree or whatever. But, uh, you know, the point is, is the films. I mean, you should know cinema, like real good cinema. The point is. <laughs> he, the, the scene, this scene isn't about that. He's drunk. He's about to commit. This is about just making sure that his boy is still going to be his boy. He's going to be loyal. Got to cut him, through right. all that that surface shit and get right to the meat of what mm-hmm. you know that the Michael was doing when he wrote it. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just like it's just you know, and I think this follows the the roulette sex scene, you know, which we can talk about at length if you want. But um, yeah, it, it does follow because he, he he is still he is still semi hard and still like he is, you know, sticky panted, and and he's walking in and he's getting another girl thrown at him. Yes, Slater should have said, you know what, you asked me this any other time, but I am still recovering from a super screw. <laughs> and so Lara Flynn Boyle plays a. A dancer, kind of a flapper, I guess, and you know they. She meets um, uh, Slater at, at this, I guess, mob friendly uh, restaurant slash club, and so then you know she kind of hits it off with Slater, and they end up hooking up. But then all of a sudden, Laura Flynn Boyle throws the whole movie for a loop and changes her hair big time. She goes straight for the vamp cut, Nick. She's th- she's, wearing a, describe no, she's wearing a wig. She's wigging out. She's a showgirl. She's wearing a wig. She's a showgirl, and she just likes to throw shit on because that's you know that's a character thing. Right. She's so, throwing a wig on yeah. as the actress Laura Flynn Boyle's throwing a wig on. I think that's supposed to be the 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 character's haircut at this point. Flashback to 1989 at the coffee bean. Michael's sitting there with his pencil. He's like frustrated as hell. Consternation covers his face. An aspiring filmmaker friend walks up and says, hey, what's up? What's going on, man? It's like, you got writer's block, man. I don't know what her motivation is here. I, I've got this female character. I've got to give her some shading. Studio's on my ass. They're like, well, give her a fucking red wig. Solved. He leaves the, he leaves, <laughs> doesn't even pay his tab at the coffee shop. He's walking on the I mean, wings of Eagle's home. 
And that's, that is interesting because if you listen to her dialogue in this, it is a mystery to me. It does not make a lick of sense. She says to him at one point, it's like a, it's kind of a sexy scene where she's like kind of seducing Slater and she asks him to be his friend. And she's like, well, if, if you're my friend, why are we kissing? And then she goes on about friends and secrets yeah. and all this weird stuff. And then the roulette table says, mind if I jump under you guys for a second here? I love, I love though, as the scene kind of ends, she looks down, she goes, three balls on the table. <laughs> There's three of them. So, but I, as, as much as her, as her dialogue doesn't make that much sense. You like her in this movie, don't you? I think I, I liked her character. Yeah, and actually, it's funny. They use this shot in the trailer of her like doing like a wink at the camera during her showgirl act. It is a mm-hmm. movie star image. Like she is the guy. This guy f- yeah. films the living dick out of her, and and does a wonderful job of of you know that's the thing. Yeah, it's dumb, but he films it t- to where you feel almost duped into thinking this is a pretty special, important movie. Right. It looks good. You're right. It just has some of these strange scenes in it, you know, but I, I, I do think, and another thing about Laura Flynn Boyle is her voice is very like whispery. You know, what do they call that? It's just kind of, she has kind of Poultry? like a, and say like a, I guess like so, a, like but a, it, it, like a fucking, like a fucking, you know, flapper, a fucking, you know, like a Harlequin romance, like a fucking breath voice. Well, I think it fits the, you know, where maybe Slater, doesn't necessarily his his who I don't think Slater's bad in this, but he doesn't sound like a character from this era. Like when he talks, you know, where like Anthony Quinn does, but I think she does. Like she she kind of has a throwback voice in this. Yeah, uh, that's one of my you know it's, that's it's, my favorite Gwen Stefani <laughs> song. <laughs> but uh, I think that she just fills up the era. I guess anyway. Well, um, I, you know, you're right. Slater Slater's maybe his voice isn't good. But I love his mannerisms in this movie. There are a lot of sure, little, yeah, little, nu- little nuanced things that he does that actually I never gave him much credit as an actor early on in his career. He actually has got some great. Are you looking at your phone? Yes, of course. You just, <laughs> you just text, me, text me a picture of Greco, a, a current ish photo of Greco looking like the Armando. So San- he looks like a Armando Sante, like hate fucked Andy Garcia and a lizard. <laughs> I speaking of looks in this movie, were you can can I can I interject or were you saying were you trying to finish? No, no, please. I, my words don't mean Patrick Dempsey. I pointed this to you out out to you when we talked or text yesterday. Patrick Dempsey looks like Brahms in this. <laughs> looks like the boy. I don't from the I don't feel from that the way. boy movie. I wish you got me so excited, man. You don't you don't agree? I mean, you texted me that I started unzipping and walking towards the bathroom. <laughs> I said, well, let me take a quick look and uh, fucking crestfallen. He out of anybody in the film, I, I feel like he looks like he's played the most dress up. And at one point at the end, they they put a fake mustache on because <laughs> he has to he has to play like a, an accountant, uh, a money guy, yeah. an accountant. And they, they go, you know what? Because they say he looks like a, an accountant, but he's like, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to double down on it and put a fake uh uh, mustache on, and it was and, obvious that everybody involved in this film had recently watched The Untouchables, and he looks like Brahms with a mustache on him. <laughs> um, I know, I know. This movie does have uh, a lot. I think it has a very heavy on un, uh, Untouchables influence, especially the bad guy. Let's talk about the 
Mad Dog Cole. Oh, he's so. Who did it? Who did it remind you of? A not bit? not Frank From, Nitty. Yeah, I didn't get it. They're both like insane, insane killers. Well, you don't think so? I think if you were to ask Michael, he's thinking more in terms of like ancient, <laughs> ancient literature, like. You know, you're talking about stuff from, you know, back in uh, Homer, like some of Homer's early works. Simpsons, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking so Frank I Nitty, think huh? Dog Cole, I, he, you don't think so, huh? He is the wet he beating heart of once? this movie. <laughs> Who? Mad Dog Mad Cole. Dog makes, Cole? He is a fucking firecracker in the center of this noise. I kind of loved him in this. That actor, you, you said his name was Nick Nicholas Sadler. Yeah, and he's still is that, working. Is that right? He, yeah, he's had a good career on TV apparently, and he still has that baby and, face. Exactly right. So you know, whereas you have the, the the main four are all these recognizable actors. I don't, I didn't recognize this guy too much, but he's he plays a a cold blooded killer that works for um, Michael Gambon's character. Right, he's kind of a, a assassin for hire. And he's just a brutal dude that he always and he makes it to the end of the film. Like he's always at one point Slater gets the drop on him in his hotel room and he escapes unscathed. It's like a great and you're rooting for him. I'm like, I hope he doesn't get killed. Yeah. But what are what are some of your favorite moments with this killer? Well, I love I love how much of a dick he is to everybody. And right. he's cocky. Like there's a scene where the where the mobsters uh, invite him to their pad after they've they've merged with their with their enemy to have like a summit with him basically to ask him to leave town and he's such a dick he's such a cocky asshole it's wonderful then but he also does this completely jimmy cagney thing where he's asking um the bellhop why his food isn't on time right and he actually does a um I want my food now, now, or I'll. And he and he doesn't finish the sentence, and it's it's like out of the most generic one hundred and one gangster dialogue, and I love it so much, so much. And he's got that cute little button face. <laughs> At one point, he gets attacked in his uh, car, and these guys are trying to kill him. They put a uh, piano wire around his neck. He put gets his hand in there just in time. And he gets the upper hand. He said, first of all, I said, you guys are so stupid. And as they are attacking him and he bites one guy's nose off yeah. and then he bites, he cuts the other guy's tongue off yeah, and leaves them bleeding on the street as he speeds away. And a beautiful bit of photography too. As the, as the car drives away, you see these guys falling down in the street, all beat out beautifully yeah. shot. But you know, the, that's, yeah, I liked him. I liked his his moments. Like he he's the guy at the beginning of the film. He tries to kill Christian Slayer. He's the guy that's responsible from the the Tommy gun attack on the the car that Nick says the driver died during. <laughs> um, who knows? Uh, but he when they invite him, when the mobsters invite him to um, their pad, and they they're like, "Look, we can either kill you or you can leave town. You know, you're too good. We know you're you're good at what you do." but you should just leave town. We can use you out West, but he doesn't leave town and he ends up becoming one of the main villains of this movie, I guess. Right. So he's the one that kills, ends up killing Laura Flynn Boyle. We think. You don't think she's dead. She might be all right. She did look fine. She gets shot a lot, but then they, she's in bed and you know, Slater pulls the sheets back, the bloody sheets back and, she doesn't look that dead to me. She, she looks, looks very angelic. Very peaceful and, right. Yeah, and sleepy. 
but there are feathers um, everywhere. It's a very prophecy influenced <laughs> moment. There's some feathers. There's um, there's a lot of slow mo conversations in this at the beginning. Did you notice that? Yeah. That's a, that's something I, turn, I haven't seen in movies. During the lot. montage, yeah, there's a scene where they're at a party and and there's little little like little cutaways to each actor, or like the, two, the actors mm-hmm. having little bits of dialogue. You know, like trust nobody. And the direct- you know, and the director decides that he's gonna, you know, slow mo is cool, but what about slow mo in a conversation when people are talking? That'd be cool too. Works like a charm. And, love it. And uh, and then I, there's another scene I love at the beginning when you know Anthony Quinn, his character, his his crime boss character is always eating. That's his big trademark. He's always in a restaurant. He's always slurping down linguine, like anything he can get his hands on. He's just loving food. Christian Slater not doing much eating in this uh, as he talks to him. But at one point, um, Quinn tries to uh, fork feed Slater a, a spear of broccoli. <laughs> Twice. Twice. He, he doesn't, he doesn't take no for an answer when it comes to broccoli. And I always felt like this was one of those Illuminati things where they were, they were sort of subtly saying that they want Slater to take over the James Bond mantle. That's what I got yeah. from it. Like, oh yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, he would have been per- he would have been a perfect bond. Yeah. It would have. Yeah. But yeah, that's why I just I wasn't expect that's another thing I wasn't expecting to see is Anthony Quinn. Anthony Quinn is having fun in this movie. He's having a blast. But he he gets to hold broccoli to very close to Slater's face. Well, you you were making fun of the writer of this film. But they called in a stunt double for that. That's not really Slater. <laughs> He hates broccoli, so go ahead. No, you're making fun of the writer of this film, but I don't think you remember the scene later on where there was a food related thing too, where right. Quinn is is uh, is really ripping into you know Lucky Luciano, basically warning him that um, you know that if he does anything even slightly wrong, he's mm-hmm. going to kill him. He's like, if you even fart, I'm going to kill you. And then Slater drops the dialogue that blew the fucking critics away. He's like, you always say I don't eat so much. So if I don't eat, how am I going to fight? That's what he said. Yeah. Now I remember this beautiful. Are you talking about this beautiful? And that, exchange? And that is, they showed- that is, that is a source for some high comedy to Mr. Anthony Quinn. Yeah. It's funny. Um, they did show that when Quinn died, they, they did show that, that scene in the montage, that and the broccoli. Um, I think that's the only thing they showed over out of his career. Just no, you, stuff from mobsters. You worded that wrong. You worded mm-hmm. that wrong. When they showed that Did scene I? of Quinn, he died. <laughs> My work here is done. And uh, did you? there's a picture when they show Quinn at one point, there's a big picture behind him of two people making out, a big painting of people making out. I didn't notice. Yeah, you should. We, you, it gives you a reason to watch it again. Don't need a reason. Um. <laughs> well, just keep an eye out for that pic- the picture in the background. Um, because I, you know, do my is that a, it's something I didn't know, and I, I I'll go I'll go Wikipedia. This is that something that the mob, like people, you know, big people in the mob, the higher ups, the the made men, did they did they put big paintings of people making out behind them? Is that a thing? Or? I think it is. Yeah, that's why they call them made they, made men. Do they also say. Uh, <laughs> They also say this term a lot. You son of a flea. God, I love that so much. I love that so much. I'm, I, I, I giggled. The first time I saw this movie, he's like calling. He starts yelling at him. He calls him a son of a. And I was waiting for like the haymaker. Son of a flea. 
Son of a flea. Adorable. Yeah. So cute. Yeah. The writer, a big red hot chili peppers fan, Nick. Yeah. But, uh, you know, all right. So I'm just going through my notes here. Um, what did you think when uh, Anthony Quinn coochie cooed Christian Slater? Like he like Slater was a little baby. I love it so much. <laughs> I love it so much. There's always this kind of undertone in the Slater Quinn scenes of, you know, the, like Slater's trying to get it right. He's always under threat of death. You don't know which direction Quinn's going to go in. And he's like, you know, one point Quinn's like, um, slapping food off the table and just getting angry, but then he also then goes up to Christian Slater and does a little like, "Oh my little baby." He does like a he does like ba- like a baby noises at him. Of course he does. That's what he does. I know it's so cute. He kills it. Yeah, and of course, and all the while the the weird looking Frank Collison, who's another actor who's been in everything. Is just mm-hmm. looking weird in the background. Every scene a, with Anthony Quinn and Slater, they have to cut to him looking all weird. Yeah, he's the second. He's like the the Zadar to Gambon. He's the he's that exactly. that character too. And he, yeah, he's um he doesn't trust any of these guys. He's right. He's like you shouldn't trust these guys, and he's actually right. It's smart. Don't he, trust these characters. But he pays the ultimate price. So they got a they got a weird convoluted plan where they're going to save you from a death that uh, assassination attempt that they plan and then they're going to save you and then kill you in the next scene <laughs> i love that guy and joe vitarello's in this or joe vitarelli's in this who i love remember i found i remembered him in an earlier episode that we did Mm-mm. from state of grace to the giant mob he was in a bunch of crime films in the late 80s early 90s and he died but just we didn't a, do State of Grace. No, I'm saying we talked about we talked about. Him. I know State oh. of Grace isn't available on any freaking streaming platform. That's a good movie. It's a great movie. Great shootout at the end. Slow motion. Speaking of, um, mm-hmm. but Vitarello's in it. Vitarelli is in it, and uh, for one reason alone, not because he's Italian, and not because he's mm-hmm. well versed in gangster shit. It's because F. Murray had a clause in his contract. He's like, I need one person with a more wrecked face in mind in this film, and mission. <laughs> One hell of accomplished. Now, speaking of State of Grace, that movie starred Sean Penn, Ed Harris, uh, Gary Oldman, mm-hmm. Robin Wright Penn. And what's Sean Penn's relationship to mobsters, my friend? Well, his bro, mm-hmm. Chris Penn, is in it. And he who makes does he it. play what? Who does he play, and what's what's his function? His function is to get murdered. He plays old Tommy Reyna. You know, but he's there. Uh-huh. Do, he's there practicing for nice guy Eddie, I think, in that, you know, he's just uh, doing his like little. Uh, he's he's playing. He's playing show and tell more than most. He is really pushing the envelope as far as Chris Penn and the shit out of this movie. Yeah, but I love Chris Penn. Like Chris, uh, Chris Penn's over the top, but he's always good, I think. Or he, he was. And and he, he played. Yeah, he plays a, a friend of the of the four kind of. And he. And he ends up betraying them by mistake. It seems like he 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 tries to get them in the good graces. Christian Slater, in particular, of Michael Gambon, who then tortures the shit out of Christian Slater. <coughs> Look, Lucky Luciano. That's where that's where the face face gash comes in. He gets he's, he's he gets left for dead on the side of a road. So anyway, that it it doesn't go to plan. Whatever is supposed to be happening in Chris Penn then 
becomes an enemy of the four and right. has a spa, a spa death. You have to have a spa it. death in a movie like this. Yeah. A bathhouse. Where were you first very, introduced to Chris Penn? I mean, Footloose, I guess. Hmm. Isn't it Footloose? Wasn't that kind of his first? Maybe. What do you think? What, which, what about you? Uh, it was um, in pen- at close range. And I was in penmanship class. Actually, my teacher told me I had one. <laughs> the brother of Sean Penn and Michael Penn. Speaking of another Michael, Nick. Yeah, a lot of Michaels. Young man, you've got a Chris uh, Penn. You should keep these letters up. You're doing a great job. Fantastic work, Mister Little Ninziato. <laughs> um, that's where I met Joanna Kern, as well. <laughs> Do you believe this line from um, uh, old Laura Flynn Boyle? She says, love is very confu- a very confusing thing. I personally do not understand. Sure. She, does, she doesn't get it. She doesn't understand love, Nick. Yeah. What do you think? Well, the film doesn't really answer that for her. Mm-hmm. She winds up a secret corpse. As she's, <laughs> as she's immediately in love with Christian Slater, as soon as she claps eyes on him, I'm not buying that line from her, but I do buy it from the writer. Michael. He does not. I don't think he might understand what that means. We just know him as Michael, the writer. Let's call him Michael. (laughs) That's all I can do. (laughs) Um, Anthony Quinn in this, I thought he looked very strange. He he was wearing, he's wearing like a, uh, like a looking, you know how Frankenstein's monster is always wearing that like kind of, uh, big old coat, like you know, the big like looks like a boxy coat. Yeah, that's covering his frame. It's a Quinn's looking like he's wearing like a Frankenstein's monster outfit in this. Okay, it's like way too big for his frame, and he's not a small man, right? But he just it just looks so boxy. Looks great, and he's usually and he's usually sitting down, so it doesn't matter that much. But when he stands up, it's like whoa. I am I am flashing through scenes of this movie as you talk. I'm getting excited again <laughs> about seeing just, it again. Just about that the, the farting dialogue. Is that why you want to watch it again? <laughs> if I don't eat, how am I going to fart? I wish they would have. Uh, Quinn was like, "Well," and he would have went into like a scientific reason why you can <laughs> fart without eating. I've I've managed it for God's sake. Yeah, he's like, know. unfortunately, uh, we haven't reached the, uh, the 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 you know the computer age where a lot of these fart questions can be answered in a heartbeat. <laughs> and then Quinn laments that I probably won't live to see the computer age and learn more about the biology of a fart. But you, Mister Christian Slater, you may you may survive and learn about ass magic. And he did, Mister Robot. Um. So this film, growing up, loved, right? Mm-hmm. Still loved, by the way. Still great. Um, but Patrick Dempsey, I told you about this on the phone. There's a scene early in the movie where they're crossing the street and Slater motions for Mr. Meyer Lansky to go ahead of him. And Patrick Dempsey goes, thank you. <laughs> it sounds like you sound like Dempsey. Right. It's perfect. Thank you. Thank you for appreciating my thank you. Mm-hmm. My buddy Sean adhered to that line of dialogue <laughs> like a sure. newborn pup. And for th- three decades, whenever the word mobsters is mentioned, 
I get a performance of that sound, of that line of dialogue. Okay. Yeah. So what it tells me is uh, this movie is fucking amazing. I think everybody remembers that. Do you do you realize that the, this film has a montage where there is a spinning newspaper, and then it stops yeah. so we can read the headline? Sure. How do you not? I mean, like that's like one of the gold gold standards. What about when Anthony Quinn throws a he's he's chomping down in the green apple and throws it? <laughs> okay. You know, I mean, it's just like there's a bunch of little things in this that is that a staple in mob films? Yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I didn't know that. Yeah. But yeah, so you like that? You like that some of the old artistic touches you know, kind of harkens back to the days of yore? Yeah, it starts, it starts off in black and white, mm-hmm. freezes, goes to color. You know, it's got those big-ass fonts with the, with the you know, headings down there at the bottom sure. there. We're on a green apple. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean... I mean... Every time I... Every time Greco sucks a nipple... <laughs> he's not the one doing oh, that. He, he nipple touches though. Like he's he, he does. He, he yeah. takes a girl clothes off. Yeah, well, he has that ice pick. He's like, yeah, he and you know, and Greco's twirling an ice pick in other scenes. Like it's like a thing, but it's no one knows why he has it. They must have cut out the origin story of that ice pick. Must have pulled that pulled it out of like a dude's heart or something. No, you know what like, it was? Much like Excalibur. <laughs> Yeah. In his re- King Greco. in his research, Michael probably read somewhere that Myrlansky, I'm sorry, that uh, Bugsy Siegel had a ice ice pick, and that was his way of ingratiating, you know, the hardcore fans. It's like, you know, just in mm-hmm. case you guys were wondering if this was completely authentic, here's an ice pick. Um, uh, I know this is going to be difficult. What's your favorite um, Frank Costello scene? You mean from uh, <laughs> Frank Costello? Yeah. Isn't that the guy from um Departed? Departed? Isn't that his name in this movie too? Same guy. Is it is it the same dude? No. Well, who's Frank Estelle on this? I mean it's Costas Mandalore. Oh god. I don't like that reaction. No, I just I we for, we haven't talked about Costas. And I think Costas Mandalore went on to star in the, the Scream franchise, correct? I'm sorry, the Saw franchise. Is that correct? I mixed yeah. it up because this is pre-Scream 3 Dempsey, my friend. <laughs> Dempsey was in Scream 3. Do you remember Killed that? I did not. You in that and you, you weren't sure. Maybe he was the killer. He was not. Can I tell you a fucking <sighs> super truth bomb about Costas Mandalore? Mm-hmm. Do you know who his North Star is as an actor? No. He sets his clock to Tom Skerritt. Is that what he said? Tom Skerritt is Tom Skerritt is his mentor. He says that? It, it, they know each other? Oh, yeah. Big time. Well, Skerritt fucked up. <laughs> huge. Huge. <laughs> Do you think Skerritt got like a little bit too uh, private with his skills and didn't didn't unleash the full Skerritt? Didn't, didn't pass down the, the talent, so to speak? Costas Mandalore is not bad in this. He is. He doesn't get much. He doesn't get much to do. No, his job is to look really good, and to and to be like sort of the uh, the lunk headed id that accompanies mm-hmm. Lucky Luciano. He pulls it off famously. He's got a- he actually threw a huge tantrum. Okay, on set behind the scenes because he wanted to have an ice pick too. <laughs> <laughs> he is kicking over boxes. 
and barrels. Remember that there's a scene when they, you know, Christian Slater and Patrick Dempsey, they, they get into fisticuffs. They get mad at each other. Right. And, um, and they fight over, you know, who's the real leader, who's the brains behind the, the four and it has to get broken up, but they go flying into barrels, Nick. Yep. Into these, just these, you know, it's, it's during prohibition, right? Right. There's always barrels around full of Alki, Alki Hall. I lo- and I love when Meyer Lansky does his little dissertation on, on their business, how it's going. Mm-hmm. So he has, you know, he fills a glass just a tiny bit, you know, and shows them that that's where they're at. And then this is where they could be. And he smashes that glass. It's a very cool scene. Mm-hmm. Costello played by Costas Mandalore. You, you say he doesn't do much in this. He watches that whole scene. And then he's got the punchline. <laughs> he's got the punchline. It's like, huh. it's like, all I know is I didn't get no whiskey. Oh, that's so funny. It's true. You're right. Yeah. And, you know, Patrick Dempsey is trying to do this big thing about how if they get too big for their britches, if they if they become too known, if they accumulate too much money, they become targets, which is what happens. He's right. But he could have just said it. You know what I'm saying? Like that 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 whole whiskey thing, that, that whole stage magic whiskey whiskey scene, <laughs> it takes about four minutes. And you could tell that Greco can't keep up. You know, he doesn't. He's like a dog watching poker. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. he's, huh? Oh, could you? And after uh, Meyer Lansky s- smashes the 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 glass, um, you know, Greco's like, could you rewind that back to the first glass? The can you do? <laughs> All right, I think I I think I got most of it. Um, and then and then uh, Costas pipes in and he goes, Tom Skerritt just told me to tell you, <laughs> rewinding hasn't been invented yet. <laughs> and then he's i mean that's it's so funny that you say that because every time i'm like uh every time i can put my finger on it when i'm looking at costas mandalore i'm like this just this reeks of scarrett yeah this what he's doing here it just seems so dallas and aliens you know it just seems yeah like so the mayor character in uh in uh um whatever that fucking cameron crumb or like was. in uh, top gun you know you took it and broke a major rule of engagement you know he likes Scarrett. I didn't know that. that's a huge zoom that he's a, that that's his mentor. Uh, or that other Tom Scarrett movie. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, he has two mentors, well, and he said, "No, it's Tom Scarrett and Petrified Wood." I think those are his two <laughs> people that he. Yeah. Well, I mean, the funny thing is, is Lewis Mandalore, his mentor oh. uh, is just the "We Are the World" video. He just watches that. He's like, Dan Aykroyd's like singing really hard and holding his earphone, but I don't hear any words coming out. Costas, Lewis. Louis. Are they twins? Are they twins? No, no. How do you know? Are you sure? They look like each other. No, I mean, I'm waiting for season two to tell me, but I I, I mean, I mean, Pedro Pascal ain't, ain't spilling. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? On the show, I mean, like I don't. I'm sure they'll spill what's going on with them on the next season of the oh, okay. of the Mandalore. <laughs> yeah, Nicholas Cage went went deep into Mandalore, you know, for his Mandalore for for, uh, for Captain Corelli. 
Um, how old is Costas, man? Fifty-four. He's like he's like kind of silver-haired. I didn't. I haven't seen a recent picture of him here. Let's. Yeah, um, the funny thing is, is no producer has, has ever hired him and said this is going to cost us. <laughs> oh yeah. So Lewis is the Mandalore is the younger brother, but they're pretty close in age, so they are not twins. They're like the Hemsworth, right? Yeah. I mean, pretty much. Oh yeah, one superstar sure. and then one that's kind of tagging along, right? Well, there's the third one. That's what they both are. Liam Hemsworth, or not Liam Hemsworth? <laughs> who's who's the guy in Westworld? Right. Yeah, that guy, the oldest, Who, like Bill. Who's that? Know. Who's the oldest? Yeah, Bill one. Hemsworth. Yeah, Bill. They're <laughs> 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 both. <laughs> Bill Hemsworth, Luke. Yeah. All right, what, who was it? I mean, it goes by Luke, but yeah, I like Bill. Yeah, Bill Sarsgaard. Maybe that's who you're thinking of because there's many Sarsgaards. Yeah. yeah, not enough. All right, so Anthony Quinn gets a death scene in this where he refuses to die. The actor will not die. He gets shot by. Not true. Costas and um, well, he does die, but um, Bugsy takes him out, and whoever Costas is playing, <laughs> oh Frankie, Frank, um, they blow him away a lot. Yeah, restaurant. They you know they get he gets tricked by Slater, and they blow him away. And he, he has a very elongated death scene where he gets he gets shot a lot, and he gets shot into his food, and then he's still breathing a little bit into his food. It's just it just seems very elongated, but I guess if you have a legend on screen, you don't want to see him go, you know. Zorba the Greek. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I, I, I didn't notice that he was breathing into his food. I didn't notice that. I'm yeah, sorry. he's he he said he's not yet. He takes his last breath after he gets shot a lot. Um, Did this movie make you hungry? Watching all this great food? Uh no. Oh. But yeah, they do have linguine and clams, which I know that you like. You like the that dish. Yeah, and I so it was funny because I, I went out um, right after I saw this movie. I went out and got takeout from an Italian restaurant. Seriously, yeah. I, I went Did and you? I got yeah, I got broccoli, broccoli rob. I got a little shrimp scampi, and I got nipple. Man, you you got influenced by monsters to eat. Yeah, yeah. Your your food was that's that's interesting. I couldn't eat after I watched this. <laughs> All right, let's do the work. Do we already do the pre-work? All right, so look, you're at the tattoo parlor. Mm-hmm. You got to get a, a, an engraving onto your flesh to commemorate mobsters. Where do you go and how do you do it? It's easy for me. You can go if you want. I, I already have mine. but No, let's hear it. I would just get, I mean, a Christian Slater, his face, with a a broccoli spear on a fork just right in front of his face and hit and his, his lips are closed. You know what I'm saying? It is not, <laughs> is not getting in, but I think that would, that's like, I think that's what I would, I don't know where I'd put it though. That's the thing. Where would you put it? Where would that look cool? Ist. Where would it look coolest? On my ankle. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah and the summer comes out, you get to whip mm-hmm. that out. You know, people get yeah. to see you daintily walking around with it. People are like, it's it's the middle of winter. Why is Justin wearing? Sh- oh, he's wearing shorts because he wants to show off his awesome tattoo. 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. So what about you? What about you? I don't know why they have to be nut hugger shorts. I mean, it's on your ankle. (laughs) Did I, uh, did I take yours? No, no. I mean, I was, there was a temptation to get Frank Collison looking like disappointed, you know, but that's Mm -hmm. kind of his resting face. So, yeah. uh, So what I do is right next to one of my nipples, I've got Richard Grieco's face, like, lovingly attacking like he's this like sensually looking at it in his best armand asante andy garcia lizard face it's a sexy up you know sexing up my nipple now we have done a christian slater movie before by the way bullet to the head and broken arrow that's right however I think you had said this before. Christian Slater drew you before. He's drawn you before. It's in the frame right now. It is actually. You're right. <laughs> um, so tell. Yeah, you might have said this before. What 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 were you interviewing for, and why did he draw you and give that to you? It was. Uh, I was doing uh, interviews for Wind Talkers. Mm-hmm. He was obviously bored because it was Wind Talkers, and we were sitting there doing the old you know conversation. Um, Adam Beach was there. John Woo was there. Christian Slater was there. There's no Nicolas Cage. Um, Were you making him laugh? Were you making Slater laugh? I think I think it was an I think it was a nice conversation. I don't remember too much Mm -hmm. about it. All I know is that he seemed distracted, and I didn't take it personally because I would be distracted too. But we're talking, we're talking, we're talking. You know, it's a good interview. It was was when I was I was doing it for Chud and for Movie Insider back in the day. And then at the end of the interview, um, he. uh, Christian Slater hands it to me. It turns out the whole time he'd been looking at me and drawing a picture of me. Yeah. With all my, like my little tape recorder and my pencils and the glass of pitcher of water and all that shit. And then, um, and then I said, uh, well, why don't you, why don't you sign it? And he wrote novice on the bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And let me, let me, let me zoom in real quick on his art skills. Uh, don't quit your day job. Christian Slater. Maybe he's gotten better though. It's been a while. Does he paint? Does he do pottery? Do you know any of this about him? Does he is he dabble in the arts? Uh, he's and got I say this, and I say this knowing full well that he's an actor. Does he dabble in the arts, Nick? Active in Minecraft, like really nails it. Oh, yeah, that's that's awesome to know. Um, you know, I've never been. I you know, Costas Mandalore once drew me. Well, he painted me in the nude. I guess does that count? Is it similar? Or did he tell him to put his clothes back on? <laughs> no, I mean. <laughs> Did I tell him to do that? No. Are you kidding me? Um, yeah, he had, he had novice on mine too, which I thought was interesting. Uh, novice, huh? Anyway, that's cool. That's cool. That's that's nice. Did you ask? It was your one question you asked during the interview. What's it like to make an unforgettable classic? <laughs> we'll be talking about wind talkers for decades. <laughs> Well, they talk. They were wind talkers in this movie. Mm-hmm. How could I fought if I don't even eat? <laughs> All right, Slater so, beheaded in that film. Super beheaded. Yeah, there's a shot of his little head in the middle of the of the sand. And then later on, Adam Beach gets decapitated, or his head exploded in Suicide Squad. That's right. Yeah, a little tribute, little nod to. And then, and then even later on, Adam Beach gets decapitated in every <laughs> casting call. Don't be knocking Adam Beach on my watch. Yeah. Um, so, 
Yeah. You've been given the financing to greenlight a sequel to the mobsters. Yes. Oh, whew. yeah. Was it a hit? Was it a hit, Nick? It wasn't, no, right? It, it wasn't, but it's a great, great movie. You don't have to, you don't have to get quieter as you say it. It's a great movie. That's what, that's what people do when they lie. <laughs> Would you're you recommend not, people? You think people can? Is this a, is this a COVID watch? Would you recommend? Is this a is this a pandemic watch? What do they call it? A, a quarantine watch? Would you Would you agree? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Get off your ass. Watch it. You think so? Well, it, if nothing else, as a, a curiosity, a timestamp of all these people when they were young and fresh faced, and the world was in, ahead of them. You know, they were one bad decision away from stardom. Would you recommend it for Costas completists? <laughs> this is the high water mark. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. He went to he went to Scarrett. He's like, "Well, I got the the stinker out," and Scarrett's like, "Yeah, don't 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 you be surprised when in twenty five years you're at Mobsters Con, you know, blowing people." So, so your sequel to Mobsters? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, they, they, it, it, this is like a true story, so it does have a sequel, really, in, in real life. Like, these people went on to, to kind of roll the, 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 the crime scene, didn't they? Like, luckily, Luciano was a major player. Meyer Lansky. Well, they have a little post credits thing that says, yeah, you know, you know, Bugsy was the one who died the worst and the soonest, if I remember correctly. You know, luckily, Luciano died of pretty much of old age. Meyer Lansky, the same. Frank Costello was quite successful. Bugsy. Got too big for his britches. Started, started Vegas and then died. In an awful. Was he murdered out there? Yeah, he was murdered out there. Yeah, he gets killed in his screening room. I don't remember Bugsy. I I can't. I know it's a kind of a good movie. I don't remember the movie that was. Yeah. Just think of like mobsters been almost as good. Hmm. Nominated for like a bunch of shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. So your sequel though. All right. Here's what happens here. Mm Hmm. Now, it's going to change history, but Tarantino pulled it off, so, so why can't we? These mobsters, the last shot of them, they're sitting at a booth kind of toasting life. They're, they've they've mm-hmm. survived. They've won. They're, they're at the top of the game. They've worked with Al Capone, who is played by Titus Welliver in this film, very, very briefly blowing smoke rings. They're sitting there in their booth, and they're celebrating life, and it freeze frames, and that's how the movie ends. Mm-hmm. It unfreezes. Those boys go to their limo. And they are abducted by a UFO. Hmm. I'm liking this so far. So they wake up confused um, and they are on a starship. And it's all four of those guys in space. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're on the same ship that eventually claims Travis Walton. Oh, so what you have is they're, they're probing tunnels. They're moving around through membranes and fucking little sphincters of skin and shit and just living their lives like talking in gangster talk. Boom, they're frozen. Boom, 40 years pass, and boom, Travis Walton rescues them. Yep. And then they, they wind up being like part of his little crew. So you got oh, DB, really like in you that got Peter Berg. Yeah, so it's kind of a L- crossover. Lucky Luciano. Yeah. 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 Lucky Luciano, Meyer Lansky, hanging out with the bumpkins like Robert Patrick and all those fucks in the, in the, in the backwoods, man. Mm-hmm. And they actually call themselves the Walton Gang, which is kind of cool. <laughs> kind of a neat little story. <laughs> what would they call that movie then? Because it's you have to mix up mobsters and fire in the sky. Meyer in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> huh. 
So we didn't. Here's my sequel idea. We didn't talk about Michael Gambon's death in this. We talked about Anthony Quinn, but at the end, poor Robert Zadar, who almost makes it to the end of the film, gets um, gets a, a knife to the chest. Right. And the, the, a lot of the bad guys are dispatched here. The you know Mad Dog Cole gets shot a hundred thousand times by Christian <laughs> Slater, catches up to him, and um, anyway, so they dangle this the putrid Michael Gambon out the window. They tire his leg and they dangle him out the window. And Christian Slayer said, I'm killing you because of you were mean to my dad. And Gambon's like, I don't even remember that your dad, man, what the, and you know, he's, and so they decide like to dangle him out the window and then they cut his, they cut the string that's tying his leg. The rope is kind of like, and he falls to his death. Right. And it's, and they show him and he's all dead. Like he's got blood around his head and he's super dead. Yeah. Right. My sequel would be right before they show him, you know, they show him, they don't, they don't show the dead body. Right. Or maybe they do a little rewind. We talk about rewind. Right. And he's falling, he's falling, he's falling. All of a sudden, guess who's catching him? Someone catches him. The heavenly kid. <laughs> Gambon gets caught like the heavenly kid and that heavenly kid, like, Takes Michael Gambon under his wing, much like he took. Um, who was our boy? Jason Gedrick. Gedrick, yeah. And then Michael Gambon trades in his suit for like a leather coat <laughs> and starts being trying to instead of being like a nerdy mob boss, trying to be a cool guy, you know, and tries to you know date. I don't know, but that's what I would do. I'd turn this into like more of like a trying to you know rehabilitate michael gambon's character a la or what was now i can't remember that main actor uh, lewis smith lewis smith yeah just you know reha- it's like a it's a sequel to two movies that we love that's fantastic smith sandwiched together you think that would work oh t- totally the idea yeah. of michael gambon in high school makes me hard <laughs> that'd be so great wouldn't it yeah and he, and Michael Gambon has a very slow way of talking to this film. Like he, he like relishes everything he says. Like he, he's not in a hurry to uh, get his dialogue out. You know what he yeah. has mastered? Mm-hmm. The dead eyes in this film. He has those dead eyes. Yeah, like a doll's eyes. Yeah, and he's and he's just so despicable. Like you hate everything about him. And when he dies, you're so happy. Yeah, he deserves to be dead, but he. That's how good he is, I think, is he really is a, just a despicable dude. He reminded me of his character in um, that Kevin Costner movie that we like a lot, the kind of underrated Robert Duvall, Kevin Costner. Open yeah. Range, where he plays kind of a similar despicable dude, you know, yep. like just such a hateable asshole that when he dies in that, you're like, yay, he's dead. Just, you know, and Kim Coates in that too. But uh, Kim Coates doesn't die, though. <laughs> he dies, he dies so hard in that. Um, that's a great movie, I think. Open Range. I've seen that like a bunch of times. It just holds up. It's such a great film. Uh, I can't wait. Is... Cannot wait till episode one eleven. We do Open Range. Yeah, we get to revisit old Gambon, who's not doing an Italian accent. Now. I think he's doing like an Irish accent. And now. you know who else is in that movie? Huh? The guy who played oh. the do- the guy who played the doctor. Are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Such a memorable I'm chemically, but I'm chemically repelled by that guy. <laughs> but uh, Abraham Ben Ruby in that. Oh my god, I love it! Yeah, fucking yeah, Ben Ruby. You got and, Diego Luna, and we just talked about Warren Beatty. His Bay is in that. That's right. Yep, Kim Coates yeah. is in it. 
Uh, so anyway, so what, okay. What's the next thing we, we killed that. We killed the sequel idea. Yeah. So you've been tasked with creating a mobsters theme attraction or a restaurant mm-hmm. or whatever. Right. The, the money is in escrow. You're free to go make it count. You're, you're good to go. Oh man. The business idea. Yeah. To celebrate this fantastic film. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, you have any ideas? So I, I have a theme restaurant. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, they've gotten the participation of the now in their 50s, Mandalore, Greco, Slater, and Dempsey, the whole gang. They've gotten mm-hmm. them. It's like they're Planet Hollywood. You know, like yeah. they, they've the celebrities have bonded together to create their own theme restaurant. And there's one in every major city. And uh, basically, it's, you know, it's an Italian restaurant, really good food. They've got, like, quotes from all the, from the movie on the napkins. And there's, like, you know, they've got stills from the behind the scenes and shit. You know, whenever one of the other people in the cast comes through town, they're obliged to go eat there. And, uh, you know, it's just a celebration of this film. You know, all mm-hmm. the screens in the, in the restaurant are playing the film. Uh, the waiters are all dressed like various characters in the movie. All the, way, the girls have their red Laura Flynn Boyle hair. The, you know, the fatties mm-hmm. in the crew look like Quinn. Uh, there's even a, a hulking, disgusting Zadar guy. Uh, it's just amazing. It's just, it's like you stepped out of your reality into a perfect world where mobsters is real. And you just fucking go in there, you eat. It's You're charged a very reasonable rate for your for your meal. Um, you're given a, a one piece of kitsch to take home with you. Could be a little mad dog, like a gummy. Could be a... Uh, Taylor. You know, Taylor. Could be... What? Taylor Kitsch. <laughs> and it's just a, a very pleasant experience. What would it be called? Red Mobster. <laughs> <laughs> My idea would be like, I, I think the thing that people remember most from this film is very stylish. And they remember the clothes. Uh, you know, Zadar's looking dapper. The gang's looking dapper. Everybody's looking dressed in the nines. At one point... Dempsey's looking like he's lo- he's looking like the Riddler. He's got a like, whatever that bowler hat or whatever. Yeah, that's on. you're pushing it. And uh, so I'd get a I'd I'd set up a tailor shop, right? So you come in and you know it's like the mobster, the whole mobster experience, right? And you get like this guy dressed like a old timey tailor with like the sleeves rolled up. Nice. You know, he's got like the glasses on. You know, <clears throat> yeah. And that you know, measuring your inseam and all that stuff, and he gets the perfect measurements of you, right? And he's like, gets the exact measurements, and then he makes your suit, and it's six sizes too big. And so that's <laughs> that's the, the mobster experience. You get a you get to slide into this uh, tent like suit, <laughs> walk around town, uh, looking like the, those guys. Yeah, like you said at the beginning of this, they look. What do they? They look like kids in and, dress up. Yeah, playing dress up in their daddy's clothes. Yeah, and their dad's clothes. Yeah, that's what it'd be like. That's that's it. Yeah, the the whole give me the mobster experience, you know. And then I'm gonna head over to Red Lot Red Mobster <laughs> and get my fill get your my. fat face right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so you're in the movie. Mm-hmm. Your character in this shit. What shape does your experience take? I'd be the the croupier. Is that how you say it? Yeah. 
and uh i'd be like you know there you know as you know christian slater is i guess i don't know how to put it growing deep and larflin boyle <laughs> and they're bumping uglies and they're getting it on the camera would pan to my confused face i was <laughs> standing <laughs> Uh, no more, no more bets. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, uh, uh, twenty-four. Uh, uh, <laughs> so I'm gonna spin it. Okay, that's that's be me, you know, because I, yeah. you know, that's 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 a problem. You know, I one time I was playing roulette, and the guy, the croupier, whoever the dealer. The roulette, de- roulette dealer. Yeah. He got mad at me because I got too close to him. You know, it's hard to like kind of hard to get, you know, put your chips on the numbers if it's on a crowded table. And he pushed me. <laughs> he pushed me back. Nice. And I, I turned to him. I go, I don't think you're supposed to push the guests, man. <laughs> you know, is that I don't think that's like I'm not. You could say, hey, man, a little too close. But I don't think you're supposed to shove me. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> is that in the is that in the handbook? I don't. Think hey, make sure make sure you give the guests the whole casp- casino experience and shove them. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I. Oh, it I wasn't funny if he did it and he goes, "I'm all in." <laughs> Who's later? No, the the croupier. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, he uh, he shoved all in. And that and 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 that's a that's not a game that. It's not a high action game. You know, people are losing a lot of money at that game. But anyway, I haven't played much of that game. I'm not a big fan. It's fun uh, Christian play. Slater made me a little less of a fan after I watched this film. Yeah. I'll never be able to look at that table the same way again. Yeah. And there was like a scene where like the patrons are playing later on. The lady's like, this chip smells like the inside of Slater's dick. specific specific. yeah it's funny i got a i got a an in a stick of incense that burns that smell (laughs) so uh i'm gonna be a uh, yankee a yankee candle (laughs) yankee okay um so there's a lot of scenes where um people miss with their with their weapons it's a lot of Mm -hmm. bad shooting in this movie Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking about the cinematographer. <laughs> so I am a um, hapless. There's a, uh, there's a series of quintuplets that live in town who um, are all aspiring, you know, business people who are trying to get a, a meeting with these badasses. And every time there's a hit or whatever, we get in the way of gunfire. Like these guys spray wild shots and inevitably one of the brothers is the only victim. So I'm the last of the brothers and I'm like, well, I miss my bros, but there's no way I'm going to get gunned down at this restaurant. <laughs> and I'm sitting behind this giant fat guy. And I'm like, I'm fine. I'm just going to eat my linguine. Everything's good. And I am inhaled by bullets. I mean, Quinn takes the lion's chair, <laughs> but I am engulfed in destroying gunfire and I am just shot, you know, and, and then, so all four brothers, it's like the private Ryan thing, man. Every brother got completely slaughtered. The mad dog hit on their, on their vehicle. The vehicle got shot to death. 
one of my brothers was was just inspecting a fire hydrant just to see if it was functional instantly destroyed and then there's a scene later on the scene where you know uh, they try to hit him you know they he goes he goes to the apartment where slater's he kills the two guards that are outside of course yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i'm there i'm actually doing some side label just checking elevators to make sure they're good completely bites my nose off assassinates me and then this last guy at the restaurant having a meal to like commemorate like the loss of his brothers he's like really deep in sorrow emasculated by bullets completely com- enraged by bullets emasculate means he gets his uh yeah his junk shot yeah. off and yeah. then so the last shot is their mother going to the bank to cash in she's like fuck <laughs> yeah yeah it's pretty great they have a they have a name these guys like do they have a family name the herman tours yeah and they're all dead they're all secretly there they're fucked i'm so sorry you, you, you were talking i made that cinematographer joke but we had talked about this earlier somebody new has entered the podcast game nick okay oh that fucking you know, piece of shit deacons roger deacons has a podcast want be, and that's the thing is like you know um you know i don't like to speak bad of the competition you know but i mean i obviously we're going to be splitting audience with this guy now right and you have to pick a podcast you can't listen to a ton of podcasts a week you have to and i think i feel like we're gonna lose maybe a large part of our um audience to this guy's podcast because he's more well known and we cover this we're gonna cover the same type of stuff yeah you know because he's he obviously he's gonna zoom in. Yeah, he said he, he already announced he's gonna he's they're gonna be covering mobsters. Yeah, and he said I mean mo- mostly I want to d- kind of differentiate what makes for breaks. Thing is though, Deacons man, you I'm know. so sick of that. I'm so sick of that fuck. Yeah, I mean, do one thing good. Don't try to be everything. You know, and it's funny because he he uh, he uh, he was at a restaurant just mulling the prospect of having a podcast and. Instantly, he he had like a hundred five star reviews, like right out of the gate. The, the podcast didn't even exist. People jerking of off course. onto it. I listened to his first episode. At the end of the episode, he's like, "Let's do the work." I was like, "Get the fuck out! You're British." I didn't know. Is he British? Yeah. Let's do the work. Where have I heard that before? Yeah, you and yeah, you don't think we had planned on doing an episode on wavelength? <laughs> you fuck. Duh. I don't. I don't remember announcing that we're going to become world-renowned cinema cinema t- photographers. I can't even say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't go to his. Yeah, you, you know, don't, you know shit where he eats. No, man. Yeah, you're gonna tell me he's gonna zoom in with Villeneuve. That's funny because Denis he was bragging up a storm. They interviewed him on American Cinematographer's website, and they're like. Watch how how well I pronounce the word wolf. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Is is it Villeneuve or is it Villeneuve? How do you say Denis? How do you say Denis Villeneuve? Villeneuve. Oh, I'm going to have to see. I'm going to have to listen to the podcast because he has the. That's who his guest is. And you want to hear about the unkindest yeah. cut. Herding mm-hmm. does a killer Dempsey as Meyer Lansky impersonation. Jesus. I just think it sucks because, you know. You know, obviously he's going to be heavily influenced by what we're doing, you know, mm-hmm. and and then he's going to probably just siphon our audience. Yeah, that just pisses me off, you know. 
I feel like but, uh, we're the uh, we're the we're Meg Ryan's bookstore right now, and Deacon's is <laughs> fucking Barnes and Noble fucking ripping through the countryside towards us. <laughs> Does that mean Deacon's are gonna have sex with us though? Because then is that what happens? Yeah, let's table this. Then there's there's some intrigue. Let's, they get together. You think you think that well? Maybe that's what they could do. We both can get on the same network and. Could be like Deacon's podcast leads into ours. <laughs> Flash forward like sixteen years. Like I, I want to thank uh, Roger for letting us onto the Deacon's network. It was really kind of a turning point for the movie microscope. <sighs> yeah, I think I think I just I hate to see it whenever uh, two podcasts of equal worth. Yeah, um, you know, compete for viewer, uh, listenership for earship. I think is what they call. Yeah. The good news is, is he's kind of tabled his, uh, he was going to do this Ted Levine interview. And I think he's kind of put that aside, which makes me kind of happy because that's, you mind if I zoom in real quick though? Might if I zoom in? Deacons can go Mm -hmm. fuck himself. See what I'm saying? He's probably good enough to reach big old dick. (laughs) He's got a fucking hammer. I saw his Twitter account. He had a receipt for two Yeti mics. That'd be great if, if his podcast has, has, has audio problems. He's well, like, I uh, mean, let, do you guys, do you guys use Squadcast or what do you use? He's like, I got a Yeti mic. This one wrote mobsters. <laughs> Anyway, so you're on an island. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've been tasked with bringing debris from various films. You've accumulated a wide array. What do you bring from mobsters to just provide the coup de gras to your creation? Is nothing a choice or is this like a forced? <laughs> <laughs> what do I bring from mobsters? That's such a I if, if I had a nickel, you know, for every. Um, man, that's that's such a good question. I've got we a, didn't talk about. I've got, got a. Uh, I've got the uh, like so. A question a lot of my guests ask ask me when they come to the island is, how do you abuse yourself? You know, like how do you how do you reprimand yourself on the island? You know, like mm-hmm. do you flagellate? Hey, how do you ruin yourself when you're when you're shameful? <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, they immediately, they, they immediately, they immediately dock. Is that the first question now? <laughs> no pleasantries, just straight to the questions. <laughs> Then they say, how did you get here? <laughs> so I've got a baton. Oh, okay. The baton Dempsey used to smash that bottle. 
and I keep that crooked up against my hut. But when the going gets rough, and I use that to batter myself about the face, senseless. <laughs> I'll wake up bloody in a stupor with that thing next to me. Yeah. And I'm thinking, you know, like what what, what I did, and then I remember mobsters. I'm like, oh, all right, everything makes sense now. <laughs> Our the best is our shows about uh, zooming in. You know, like that's the whole point of our like we talk about zooming in. And you, you had to tell me at the beginning of the show that Lucky Luciano was the inspiration for Scarface. <laughs> um, well, that's interesting. <laughs> uh, what about what about that scar that Slater had? That the stitches he gets in that bad boy, which heal, which heals rapid in the movie. It does. It gets a nice. Yeah, I would take, uh, I, you know, there's a piece of jewelry in this that I think is something I coveted when I was watching this. Slater's got, and I think it might be the only instance in uh, history. Is it is it Greco or is it Dempsey? No, it's Slater. Got a pinky ring in this. Okay. And it's, you know, it looks like a mood ring almost. <clears throat> and his mood is always black, Nick. You know, it's he's always he's a dark character, mm -hmm. and so if it's a mood ring, it does not change. And I, I would take his pinky ring, which coincidentally enough has a it smells like the inside of his dick. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, it's hard to call it a coincidence. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so I would take that pinky ring. I know it's sound it's kind of lame, but that's a that's. Did you notice that? No. There's certain shots framed where he has his hand in the pit, so you could see that he's wearing that that piece of jewelry, which I guess is a big. It's a there's a, there's some ring kissing in this. Can I we zoom, can I zoom in a little bit? Yes, signet. Yeah, and that's what those are called, right? Sign is that what a pinky ring is called? I think it's a signet. Okay, but well, there is some ring kissing in this that I think that like Gambon makes. The, the boys kiss his ring and that's a big thing in this there's it happens a few times but Slater never does that because this movie at the end <clears throat> they're there to get rid of the idea of mob bosses they want a more democratic union right between the between the leaders <clears throat> right and that's what happens <sighs> but anyway I was I would take that pinky ring yeah and you and I throw it straight into the ocean. Yeah. I don't want. I want to see that because you you made me take something and I don't want it. Yeah. And that's how the blue holes are made. You throw a, what? You throw a dick smelling ring in there. <laughs> it fucking burns its way to the core. Be patient, baby.